All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another edition of Shabbat Lounge. This is Matt. And Jake here. And we are coming to you with another Torah portion. So, Jake, what do they need to do? You need to like and subscribe and uh, make sure you give the thumbs up and pass this on to your neighbor and go read this for yourself. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing. Uh, If you haven't read the Torah portion, just turn this off and please go do that right now. That's step one. Right, and then come back and... This should be the first podcast you turn on. Yeah. Yeah. We appreciate if you share this with someone, if you like it, if you leave us a comment, let us know that you indeed listen to it. So we always like it when people leave us little Easter eggs of some nugget that we said during our conversation. The non-pagan Easter eggs. Yes. Yes. The non-pagan <laughs> Easter eggs. We do not promote Easter eggs in any way. <laughs> in fact, we're very much against them. That's right. So, so yeah, and check out Sabbath Lounge, and you can pull up all the Torah portions there, and you should be able to get all of these uh, recordings there also. And interviews and more. Exactly. All right, so Jake, what's this one called? So this is Shoftim or Shofatim, something like that. And it's Judges. Right, so that's Deuteronomy 16, verse 18 through 21, verse 9. All right, so it's in this Torah portion, you've got this uh, reference to uh, blind justice and that Yah is no respecter of persons. So at the beginning, you know, he, uh, he talks about that. So at the very beginning, he says, in 19, you shall not rest judgment, you shall not be any respecter of persons. Right. So how does that square? Yeah, treat everybody, uh, you know, like in the book of James, it talks about don't show, show impartiality. Uh, that's uh, directly tied to the scripture. And, you you know, when, back in the day when I was in regular Christianity, I did not know that those scriptures were tied together. But now I do. There you go. Now you do. And so recently we did a teaching about blind justice, didn't we, Jake? Yes, we did. And... Uh... Whereas uh, the concept that it stands for where about not being um, uh, partial in your justice, you know, there's more to that story. So go check out the, the, the podcast we did on that. Yeah, we've often think of blind justice as a good thing, but we kind of talk about it. It's a bad thing. Yeah, so... Um, and that's what scripture says. Yeah, just a different uh, perspective on it, a different uh, shifting your paradigm. And I think the important thing to think about with that is what should justice have its eyes on? Mm, yeah, yeah, that's good. All right, so then we have this principle of two or three witnesses to establish a matter. You need two or three. And uh, one should have curlers in their hair. Mm, I think that's... We should uh, have a microphone. Yeah, that might come later. So, so it's three images, but only two people, I guess. Yeah. So we see this in John 8. Right. So Yeshua went to the Mount of Olives early the next morning. He returned to the temple courtyard. All the people went to him. So he sat down and began to teach them. The experts in Moses' teachings and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught committing adultery. They made her stand in front of everyone and asked Yeshua, Teacher, we caught this woman in the act of adultery. In his teachings, Moses ordered us to stone women like this to death. What do you say? They asked this to test him. They wanted to find a reason to bring charges against him. Yeshua bent down and used his finger to write on the ground. 
when they persisted in asking him questions, he straightened up and said, the person who is sinless should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he bent down again and continued writing on the ground. One by one, beginning with the older men, the experts in Moses' teachings and Pharisees left. Yeshua was left alone with the woman. Then Yeshua straightened up and asked her, where did they go? Has anyone condemned you? The woman answered, no one, sir. Yeshua said, I don't condemn you either. Go uh, from now on, don't sin. So Jake, um, you know, this, how does, how, what does this make you think of with the three witnesses? Or... I think you're muted. Oh, yeah, I am. Now you're muted. Now I'm muted. <laughs> so uh, what does that make you think of with the, with the witnesses? Yeah, so they all went away, and now there's uh, no witnesses. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that, that's exactly right. So, And there's there's definitely lots of things going on here. So right. they didn't necessarily follow the all the rules that they were supposed to follow because they were supposed to bring the, uh, the other person as well. Right, if they're they caught in the not. act, yeah. no reason not to bring both of them. Right. And then... Uh, oh. And then um, there's the idea. So this this kind of applies more than just a matter of hey, two people saw this happen, right? So this is can be used as two witnesses, as in two different scriptures that point to the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. And this is oh, used yeah, yeah, yeah. as uh, all right. There's two witnesses at two, that two witnesses to end times, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, Yahweh calls two witnesses to to witness against us right mm -hmm. the two so, witnesses in revelation right yeah so there's a lot to this two or three witnesses yeah and then uh, you see this concept here uh jake did you know the word possess is used over 50 times in deuteronomy uh not until this very yeah. teaching so right. it seems like he uses a lot and so there's you know, he's, he talks a lot about possessing and dwelling. You know, dwelling is to occupy and live to thrive abundantly. But they can't do the live part if they don't do the things he asks them to do. Right. They won't get the blessings. Yeah, and we've kind of been seeing that throughout the possessed thing being. It's definitely a problem for him. Yeah, and it's, it's definitely something he ha tries to hammer home. I mean, we're only chapter 18. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, or 16, but yeah. And, and you can't, if you can't possess the land, you can't dwell, dwell and you're not going to live very well. Right. So, so it is, it, it does go in order. Right. Very much so. Well, and then he talks about having a king. So Jake, read this. You know, what does he say? Does he actually say you have to have a king? When you come to the land that Yahweh your Elohim is giving you and you possess it and dwell in it, and then say, I will set a king over me, like all the nations that are around me. You may indeed set a king over you from uh, whom Yahweh your Elohim will choose, one from among your brothers you shall set as king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Only he must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses. Since Yahweh has said to you, you shall never return that way again, and he shall not acquire many wives for himself lest his heart turn away, nor shall he acquire for himself excess silver and gold. And uh, just to finish that off, and when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved 
by the Levitical priests, and it shall be with him, and he shall read in it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear Yahweh his Elohim by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment, either to the right hand or to the left, so that he may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel. So I have two things to say about that. You know, pretty good principle to live by. I mean, for everybody. Right. So I think that's safe to say. And then, you know, interesting enough, you know, uh, King David is often, you know, sometimes maybe, in, especially in Judaism, sometimes he gets lifted pretty high, like he can, can almost do no wrong. But, um, and I think a lot of people have this belief that they had to have a king, but I don't think they ever had to have a king. I think the only reason they have a king is they just, they wanted one so bad. He was like, fine, you can have your king, but he should follow these rules. And if he doesn't follow these rules, there's going to be some things also that happen. Right. It's right here in this first, uh, verse 14 here. I will say, um, let's see when you say, when you're in the land and you will say, set a king over me like the nations around me. Yeah. Then he yeah. will give you just what you want. For, want. And it's there's the another Romans scripture 1. where he talks about the, the king's going to tax you. He's going to send your children off to war. Like, right. This is really what you want. This is what's going to happen. Yep. And it does. So even in their stubborn fallenness, he's trying to give them a hand up with, <laughs> mm-hmm. okay, when you mess up, do these things and it'll help you out. Yeah. yeah, this is just this short little section of scripture has a whole ton of stuff in it. I mean, uh, write out the the law and mm-hmm. read it. And um, I think this is pretty interesting here. It shall be with him, verse 19, and he shall read in it all the days of his life. Why? So that he may learn to fear Yahweh by keeping all the words of this law. So that's how you learn to fear Yahweh, by keeping the, the law. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, and I also think that David represents us in a lot of ways. Um, you can make an argument that in the um, the kingdom, we, we are supposed to be like David. And, you know, David is in there as an example because it is it, it should be relatable to us because he's a man after Yah's own heart, but he was not perfect. But he, uh, but he continued to try to make teshuva in repentance for... For the things that he did wrong, and, and and that's what separated him from Saul. Right. Where Saul, you know, in a lot of ways represents represents the the Antichrist king, uh, if you will. I'm pretty sure I did not originate that. That came from Tom Bradford, I think, is who I've heard say that. But but I think that's pretty accurate. That Saul's the Antichrist king, and then David is more type and shadow of the Messiah. You know, the Messiah. Yeah, it is interesting, Saul's uh, progression, because he starts off in, you know, he starts off pretty good and everyone loves him, and then it just goes downhill. Yeah, 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 it's a weird story, too, with him and David. Yeah. But, anyway. So, Jake, would you read all these things? These are the things that, if you're a king, you're not supposed to have all this. Yeah, don't have too many horses. Uh, Don't return to Egypt. Don't multiply women, silver or gold. Uh, Write his Torah and guard it, not going to the left or right. Don't have a big head about it, and uh, you'll have long life. Yeah. 
And then, you know, with Saul, David and Solomon, you know, did, did it work out amazing? You know, can we um, can we say these all were just the most amazing kingships that ever lived on the planet? Well, when you consider the rest of the kingships on the planet, <laughs> they might look pretty good. <laughs> so David probably is the best out of the group. But, um, yeah, they all had their 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 faults for sure. Yeah, and it does kind of become a little bit like a soap opera with all these guys, you know, with all their women and their wives and their money and the drama with their children. I mean, it's, you know, it's a lot. Yeah. So, but. And then in 18.9, you're not supposed to do magic. You're not supposed to have child sacrifices. And those are abominations. It's an abomination. It sure is. So Jake, magic is bad. Magic is bad. That's what it. That's what it's telling us. Mm-hmm. So, um, would he call magic bad if you couldn't do magic? Um, would he tell you not no. to do it if so you couldn't do it? <laughs> magic is real, is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Oh, that's what I think. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, growing up, I believe. That you know, that's a good point because I'm pretty sure when I was younger in church, they taught me that magic's not real, yeah, that's just not real. But unfortunately, we know that it is, and it's a real thing, yeah, it always th- has been. I think, uh, we tend to be looking at that those times as our times, and and we, you know, how many of us are running around bumping into people doing magic stuff all the time. Like, I mean, legit magic stuff, not Mm -hmm. like illusions. Yeah. But, um, not very often I haven't anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's like, and if they are, we don't know. Right. So I, then you would think, well, you know, magic is just made up because they've, you know, made it into this big, you know, it's all over TV and they've made it a a toy and they've made it a play thing. Mm -hmm. And definitely there are people who do it just that fake things yeah you know sleight of hand and they call it magic and it's just hand tricks tricking your eye yeah there is a real magic and so yeah there is a fake just like everything there's even with uh, your faith you know there are people who fake that too then people fake magic and then there are people who really tap into it and worship it yeah so bad news and, and back to those kings, you know, we've got Saul who went, he consulted witchcraft and was not supposed to, but he did. So we have a little comparison between Deuteronomy 18.3 and Matthew 5.48. All right. So 18.13 says, thou shalt be perfect with Yahweh thy Elohim. And then what is, Matt, what do you say? What do I say? Yeah. Matthew 5.48, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which in heaven is perfect. They seem pretty similar, don't they? They're pretty similar. Yeah. It's almost like they uh, knew what it said back there. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't think I made that connection before, or definitely not in my Christian walk. So, and then we've got this, Jake. Explain this, uh, Deuteronomy 18.22, the prophet thing. So let's see, when a prophet speaks in the name of Yahweh, if the thing follow not nor come to pass, that is the thing which Yahweh has not spoken. But the prophet has spoken it presumptuously, you shall not be afraid of him. 
So yeah, this to me ties right into Deuteronomy 13. It's kind of like the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Deuteronomy 13 is if he says something, even if it does come to pass, uh, but he's leading you away from Yahweh and his yeah. ways, then he's a false prophet. This is yeah. saying, this is kind of the easier option. It's like, or if he tells you something and then it doesn't happen, hey, uh, the end times, uh, Messiah returns 2030, right? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we'll see. And yeah. then he says, if that doesn't come to pass, they're a false prophet and have spoken presumptuously. Mm-hmm. So, Well, I, I do think there's a difference in those two things um, because somebody can be a false prophet and that's one thing, but I think this is not the same thing. I don't think this person is... You know, I think a false prophet is trying to manipulate and trying to mislead. Sometimes you can have a dream, you can wake up and have this feeling, and you can be wrong about that. Yeah, that's I think true. that's what this is. You know, I think that, you know, and it just says, you know, you probably don't have this gift of prophecy. And so if... Well, at it, least you didn't use it for this, <laughs> yeah, this prophecy. But I do think it's probably, you know a gifting and in, in, in the thing that people get. And if you are going around and the things that you're, that you feel aren't coming true, then you don't have the gift of prophecy. Yeah. Or you're using it incorrectly. You had some yeah. bad chili or something. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. yeah I because think there is a difference in the penalties. Yeah. I think you're right very, about very that. Different. Yeah. So. 13 is, uh, I think you stone them, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you're not messing around. So. <laughs> and this one is, Hey, don't be afraid of that guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so don't listen to what he's saying. Basically, is what he's saying here. Yeah, yeah. In Deuteronomy 19, you've got uh, three coastal cities, and we're going to talk about Cain and Abel. And uh, so, uh, so Jake, how is this? uh, You know, how does the Cain and Abel story prove this is the law before the law? Okay, so this is actually talking about manslaughter, right? So. Uh, whenever you would commit manslaughter, uh, kill someone by accident, you could go to a city of refuge and be, you know, allowed to hang out there until the priest dies, right? Um, so, uh, interestingly, that is a situation where your freedom depends on someone else dying for you, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, that priest has to die for you to be free. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a, a shadow of Yeshua. Uh, but as far as it relates to Cain and Abel, so I uh, I had this theory that the Cain and Abel story is not a murder situation. It's more of a manslaughter situation because I don't think they knew that they could die yet or they, weren't under, they didn't understand it the way we do, um, at least until this happened because he – kills Abel and then but the punishment for him is not the punishment for murder the punishment he gets is the punishment for manslaughter well and, and to back up for a second you know I think that it makes sense that they would be naive if you will yeah. you know an innocent like children yeah and you know you think about little kids playing they don't know that if they you know especially some really small children, they don't understand the concept of they pick that big stick up and they hit their friend right on the temple in the right spot. They could kill them. Right. Uh, you know, they, they don't know that. And I think that that's a pretty good argument. Uh, yeah. I think when you look at the, the penalty, 
it lines up. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise then, you know, it's, it's a weird, it's something you have to wrestle with because the consequence should be death for him, but it's not right. And then, you know, so uh, that, that, that to me supports the, that theory and, you know, but that's, that's a good example. If you've never explored the law before the law, see our friend Joshua Myers and he has a cartoon series about the law before the law. Right. Yeah. He does a pretty good job with that. And I think he captures a whole bunch of them. Yeah. So, and we did an interview with him. That's right. We went through those. And then Jake, this blood Avenger, 19, 11 through 13, you know, um, I, I, I could see some people having that job title and taking great pride in being the blood Avenger for their family. Yeah. The, uh, this is like, I don't know. This is, seems to be the one that kind of fits, I guess, human nature. You want to take yeah. vengeance and here's your one opportunity yeah. to, it's like legal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To, to be the Avenger of blood. Yeah. 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 So if, uh, any movie makers out there that want to make a movie, the blood Avenger or the Avenger of blood, come talk to us. It's our idea first. So that's right. That's right. We'll tell you how to do it. That's right. We want a percentage. <laughs> and through Deuteronomy, he talks a lot as well about guarding the commandments, observing the commandments, love. So, you know, so Jake, how do you think, how does this work? How, how do you think it's possible that you're by guarding the, the commandments, you're also loving? Well, uh, do you guard things you don't care about? No. Okay. Well, you probably have to care about it uh, to guard it, right? Right. And then guarding it shows your love, and your walk shows that you love mm-hmm. and that you're guarding it. So kind of kind of works like that, I think. Well, I also think if you're guarding the commandments, you're, you're doing those things, and, and the commandments are how we show we love God, and it's how we show we love people. Yeah. And, uh, and so by guarding them, you're also loving them. So, and that's what a lot of people don't understand is when Yeshua says, um, you know, the, the, the thing that gets shortened in Christianity to love God and love people yeah, that is really just observing the commandments, right? And people don't understand that. Yep. So you can't love God and you can't love people unless you guard His commandments. Yeah. And then this is a, a faith with action. You know, this is not sit back and watch other people do it. This is very much involved faith. Yeah, it's like any other relationship. I mean, you do things for the people you love, and uh, uh, and we're out here wandering around floating around in the in the ether, the ether here that's right so uh while we're doing that there's things that we should be doing so and not doing that's one thing um a lot of people especially when you come to christianity you're like oh all these things i had to stop doing and uh i think you know and i looked at it that way too and uh i didn't i wasn't as averse to that as many people but um, but I think the thing that's missed is it's not just about the things you need to stop doing. It's what things do you need to start doing? Mm. And I think that part gets missed. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. All right. In 1914, don't move the sandal. 
This is Sandal Covenant. Right. This is Matt's favorite covenant. I didn't know I had a favorite covenant, but apparently I do. Yeah, it's the Sandal Covenant. Yep. And it has <laughs> to do with uh, showing where your land boundary is. And uh, yeah, you, you know, moving the sandal, you know, that's something today in our world we're like, huh? The sandal? <laughs> yeah. But it, it was like moving a, it's like just, it's uh, voiding a contract. It's, it's uh, changing uh, a legal, uh, you know, uh, a legal um, claim on a, p- and a, on a piece of property. So it was a big deal. So it's like bearing false witness and it's stealing. It's a lot of bad things, really. And then this list of things, we recently did a talk teaching. I don't know what. Yeah, you call we don't it. like we don't like to say teaching. Yeah. We're not really teachers, but, uh, but we did something about um, Christians follow Torah, and you can find that on uh, Sabbath Lounge. And we talk about how. Um, many uh, Christians, they've been following Torah, and we were too. And um, to a certain extent, um, you know, that's been happening. So let's look at some of those things that prove that they follow Torah. Right. So no partiality in in your uh, interactions, right? No child sacrifice. I think we would all agree on that, right? Right. I mean, sometimes you don't even have to be a Christian to Mm. accept that one, right? Mm -mm. Don't steal land, no false witness. So yeah, I think uh, those are pretty straightforward. Yeah, I think that every Christian in the world would be like, yeah, we're not doing that. So, and they're following Torah. Right. Because show me the commandments in in the quote-unquote New Testament where it says don't steal land and don't sacrifice children. You know, I know where it says about partiality and it does talk about lying and false witnessing. But uh, but anyway, definitely that comes from Torah. Yeah, I think that uh, steel land thing was verse 19, four, or chapter 19, verse 14. No. Okay. And then in 23 through 4, it says, listen, Israel, today you're going into battle against your enemies. Don't lose courage. Don't be afraid or alarmed or troubled because of them. Yahweh your Elohim is going with you. He will fight for you against your enemies and give you victory. So this is what you should say before you go to battle. Right. So still a good principle today. Right. This is the let not your heart be troubled scenario because Yahweh goes before you. Be of a good courage, Matt. All right. That's kind of like the Braveheart moment, by the way. And the priests go through the line of men, and this is what they tell you. <laughs> All right, so there was an option when they were taking over uh, the land and uh, moving people out that, uh, that there were some people that could surrender peacefully. There was an option for some of them, not all of them. Some of them, they were very specific on what they had to do. But Right, this is uh, peace out, people. Yeah. And then these are the people we're talking about here. So, yeah. If you've ever seen a guy that looks like this, he's probably a bad guy. Yeah. Probably a bad guy. Probably in your nightmare. But these were the folks that uh, total destruction. Or at a furry convention. Oh, I don't, I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> Me either. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, 
but definitely I threw you off your game there a lot of it. You did. You threw me off a little bit. Uh, the wheels are turning in my head. Slowly. Oh no! I need a little grease though. Yeah. Um, but total destruction to the following people, and so they're supposed to wipe them out. And you kind of are like, "What's the big deal?" Yeah, wipe them completely off the face of the earth. Why does he hate them so much? You know, and a lot of people. This is one of those passages when I didn't understand these things correctly when I was teaching this uh, to junior high kids a long, long time ago in Bible class, I can remember being like, I don't know why he was so angry. You know, I don't understand why. It's not very nice. Why, why he's so angry here. And then he seems to be so loving and kind later on. So, so Jake, just read a little bit about who each of these groups are. Just that, that thing we talked about. Okay. So the Hittites, they're the second son of Canaan, mountaineer, implication of a torn veil, Mount Hermon implications there too, and the Watchers. So I think the Watchers are some crazy dudes. The Watchers would be like uh, the Nephilim. The Nephilims. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, you got the Amorites. From east of Canaan, they were the mountain dwellers. And what were you saying about mountain dwellers? So, yeah, there's a discussion on that being that these would be similar to what you would call uh, dwarves or something like that, mm-hmm. right? Uh, from uh, uh, not like uh, not just short people. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, like uh, you had... Uh, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings style, yeah. Because you had giants in that time. You have these mountain dwellers of this time. You have, you know, all kinds of things going on here that we just don't accept in today's, you know, because we, we've been kind of programmed to think this stuff is all make-believe. Yeah, yeah, that that doesn't happen anymore, that that's not real and... And, and, you know, and I think you can make an argument. We were having a pre-show discussion about uh, this is, you know, definitely seems like remnants of a of a pre-flood world that is very different than what we understand in modern historical terms. And that the pre-flood world was, you know, that that's something you should study out. It's a rabbit trail. We're not necessarily seeking to go on right now, but. But you should you should kind of look at that and have some kind of an understanding of what what the pre-flood world was like and what Noah was up against and why God was so angry with it. Right. Why he yeah, why he would destroy the whole world. And it is connected to these guys because they somehow, you know, legend has it that after the flood, some of these descendants go find this stuff and resurrect it. So, yeah, this is. Uh, it talks about before the flood comes, it's talking about the uh, the Nephilim, and it says how they were there uh, before the time of the flood and then after those days also. Mm-hmm. So there was the, there's a strange situation there where these guys kind of return. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think the, we're on Canaanite. Yep. Yeah. So the Canaanites are, I mean, the name kind of says it, Canaan, right? So zealous merchants, traffickers. Um, what's the, what do you think they mean by traffickers? Uh, stealers of people, kidnappers. Yeah. So, you know, kidnapping was a, it was a big deal in the old world. I mean, it, frankly, it's still that still is today in human trafficking. I mean, uh, it's definitely yucky stuff. 
for sure. Nothing, yeah. nothing good. So. Uh, then the Hivites, sixth from Canaan, Ham, uh, Mount Hermon villagers. So Mount Hermon is where the incursion uh, happened uh, with the angels. And uh, once again, you know, long rest Rob Skiba. Uh, but Rob Skiba has some great teachings about Mount Hermon, and he went into great detail about some of that. And um, I think it makes a lot of sense. So if you've never listened to to Rob about that, that's a good good one to go to YouTube University on. Yeah, and then uh, just in terms of you know wiping these people out, if you see this third picture, if you're watching the video portion, this is what they would do to people. They're babies, and that it, that is evil beyond evil. And I mean, it's you know you can kind of look around today and see similar evils to that and you and you think man the the hammer's gonna drop soon yeah just because you know he couldn't let that stand Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so yeah it makes sense once you figure out what was actually going on there and then there's two more the jebusites and the other thing we'd have to say about these two you know these are also folks that aren't weren't even supposed to be in this land that were just they knew that this land was special and that Yah wanted this land, and it's almost like they go in and try to occupy it um, because they're, you know, their intention is to overthrow God. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, like when when you're in Christian world and you read about the Tower of Babel and you're a kid and you're like, yeah, you don't, and you have no idea what any of that meant. Right. You know, it's like they built a big tower and then they got in trouble and had to. It was, I don't know, it just just didn't make sense. Yeah, the way it's explained is it sounds like a, just a fable to to explain why we have different languages. That's exactly right. And a lot of people teach it that way, but it's more than that. It was, it's these people, their ancestors who are trying to kill God. You know, that's what they want. It's more than they really believe they are at war and, and they thought that they could. And it's... Those are the people. These are the true God-haters. And unfortunately today, we still have God-haters here. There are people who are still doing these kinds of things. Yep. Unfortunately. Maybe because they didn't get rid of them back then. (laughs) Probably. So then you have the Jebusites, Jebus descendant. Makes sense. Uh, Palestinian, Cain, third from Canaan. So... Uh, Parasites, rural person, village from southern Canaan. So I hear then, a lot of Canaan in the Canaanites. Yeah, maybe that's why I was called the land of Canaan. Lots of yeah, lots of that kind of descendant thing happening. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, so you know, go look up those people. Go, you know, if you have a little time, research these tribal groups. You know, if you just do a quick Google search you'll find information about these guys and you'll find you'll find as much information as you could handle yeah yeah and mostly that they're pagan and uh, not good yeah so i think we've about come to the end of shofatim judges judges so yeah i think uh, that's a good torah portion there's a lot in there um i mean we say that every week lots in there but um yeah, so this is Deuteronomy 16, 18 through 21, 9. 
And we encourage you to go Google Sabbath Lounge. And if your group gets together and you need help with the Torah portions, we have them at your fingertips. If you just Google Sabbath Lounge Torah portions, you just have to find the week you're on and you will find all kinds of handy links uh, to help you go through the Torah portion. Right. We appreciate you uh, being here. And this is Matt and Jake signing out.